This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me today, it's a lot of people. It is. <laughs> it is a Athletic Football Show Hogan Johns crossover episode today. Yeah. We are doing the 10 most interesting teams of the offseason this week, and I think you could make an argument that the Bears might be in the top spot. So this was the time to just blow the shit out of this. <laughs> Joining me today, three wonderful guests. First of all, my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? Doing very well. Not, not, three Bears fans, or people are, are, are Bears associated, but most, most importantly, two Badgers. Oh, and that, fuck yes. off. And we got the fifth Yes. <laughs> so that is where I am very happy, and that's where I fit in. And I get to claim my three-year fandom of the Bears here and kind of like that I can nosedive on into this conversation with you guys. So very excited for this show, though. Also here today, we got two Adams. Johns, who've co- you covered the Bears for how long, Adam? Since Lovey Smith. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Yeah, help me. I know those days. Your old man was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also here today, esteemed radio personality from CHGO <laughs> and from the Hogan Johns podcast, which if you are a Bears fan you do not listen to, I don't know what you're doing. Adam Hoke, thanks for being here today, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm excited about this. I know our listeners have been excited about it all week. Got a couple so, of nice tweets about yeah. it. Yeah, I know. It's it's it's, it's, it's the off season is the Super Bowl for the Bears. Know, like that's what you guys gotten <laughs> used to the last few years, and that maybe felt like that too. Also, a special teams coach, by the way. Don't forget that. Yeah, steam special teams coach I'm, as well. Uh, yeah, as much as I'm here to cover the Bears at the combine, there's a couple things I try to pull out here and there too to help. Well, you here for the a, kickers today? Car- yeah, I actually the kicker availability at 8 a.m. Because I, I, I saw you at 3 a.m. last night, so yeah. I assume you were not here for the kickers. No, I I, I I drew the line there. I mean, maybe if the maybe if this was after the Cody Parkey year and the Bears like really needed a kicker, I would have been here. But I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> so I was gonna do a show at some point this spring where we just looked at what the Bears should do with the number one overall pick and talk through all of the potential options that they had. I was going to do that after free agency. Well, all of the scuttlebutt from the Combine so far is they want to trade that pick way before free agency yes, starts. Do. So we got to knock the cap off this one and just do it now. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about all of the different options the Bears have with the number one pick at quarterback and what the ripple effects of those decisions would be. Nate, we wanted to kind of channel what the, our combine conversations were onto this show, independent of whatever Bears discourse there was going to be. The thing is, the most frequent conversation that I've had since I've been here is about the fucking Bears. Yeah. So <laughs> I might away. as well just package it all mm-hmm. together. So one question that has come up consistently as I've stood in various bars around Indianapolis over the last three nights is people asking me, is it crazy for them to think about trading him? More on like a theoretical big picture level. I'll answer that first. I don't think it's crazy. And I, it's for this reason, okay? It's, I think it's two or three different layers to it. The financial clock that you would reset by drafting a quarterback puts you on a more realistic timeline based on where the rest of your roster is. The conversation we were just having as we were looking at the salary cap and looking at the depth chart it's hilarious how much this team is at square one. Mm-hmm. Cairo Santos has the sixth biggest cap hit on the entire team. The two biggest deals on the, the roster right now are Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, both of whom legitimately might be cap casualties on any other team in the NFL. This is a blank slate. Yeah. By the time you're ready to compete, Justin Fields is going to be either in the last cheap year of his rookie deal or, more likely, on the fifth-year option. Mm-hmm. So if you reset that clock with a Bryce Young, whoever you just decide 
to draft and you trade Justin Fields for draft capital, you get back on a more realistic timeline. I think that is probably the biggest argument for why you would do it if you're not sold on Justin Fields. I understand that you can poke holes in that. I don't really believe that, but I think that's the argument for it. John, as somebody who watches the building every day, is there, knows the sentiment around Justin Fields in that organization, why do you think that is not likely? I think there's a feeling that Justin Fields, with everything he did this year, and I know a lot of his success was with his legs, but with his toughness, his leadership, being there every day after practice, throwing to Darnell Mooney to chase Claypool when he arrived, that he's earned like that opportunity to play with better players, better receivers, to have some investment around him, starting on the offensive line, finding him better, like maybe a true number one on the trade market. Like he's earned that opportunity with everything he's done this past season. You talk to the players, Hogal. I mean, you're there every day. What do they think about him? Like, what is the feeling around him in the locker room specifically? Yeah, I mean, it's very, very positive. I mean, there's there's players, there's the obvious ones like Darnell Mooney that you, you hear about the stories of them inside the Walter Payton Center at 10 p.m. sometimes, just still throwing routes. Um, you know, I know that those two uh, train with a lot of the same people, kind of follow the same um, – workout habits and things like that and it, it's they they love Justin so I definitely think that sometimes I think that part's overblown like oh if we move on from this player it's gonna right. rip up the locker room but this is a case where you'd certainly have a lot of people scratching their head now the counterpoint to that is like what you just said about the who cares who, who, who's in the locker room right. that, that really matters right. and like so the Darnell Mooney a Cole Komet you know, maybe a couple of the younger offensive linemen. That's all they got on offense, guys. But, yeah. <laughs> but I also think that well, you have Jaquan Brisker, who was drafted last yes. year. You have Kyler Gordon. You have your first draft class. But I also think it's an outward message to the rest of the league. You know this guy that was the most exciting player in the NFL for stretches last year, and you walked him cl- like crawl through blo- broken glass with yeah. the supporting cast that he had? Yeah, we're just going to kick him out the door. Well, I think that says something to other people. And when you're trying to build a culture kind of brick by brick over time and you're in year two pulling the rug out from under that guy who was everything about your franchise last season I think there's some mixed messaging well, they, going on they there they pulled the rug a lot last year Robert Quinn Roquan Smith I mean yeah. these guys were emotional in the locker room I, yeah. I get it's not the same as quarterback I, it's a good point though but, but those guys were beloved teammates yeah, yeah. Like, I, it's Roquan a good point. Smith was yeah, your best Roquan, defensive player yeah. those were your two captains okay so let's move beyond the cultural aspects then why wouldn't you draft one of these quarterbacks with the number one overall pick, Nate, if you're not worried about what the impact on the locker room and the building is going to have to be. And, well, speaking first, and what Fields did, especially getting comfortable with Luke Getze's offense, I thought the growth we all saw as a runner, but also, like, you could see some things clicking yeah. even with a terrible situation. I mean, I'm being, I know I'm a Fields fan, but being frank about the offense line and pass catchers. But also in this class, and if you're just grading as prospects entering the league, Fields is, I, I think, a clear tier above any of these guys in this class I do like all four of the top guys Levis Richardson Stroud and Young but I think when they were coming in as prospects those these guys are all kind of middle first round grades while Justin Fields to me was like a true top five guy and I think that's where you have to be really kind of keep that in perspective it's like our oh this guy it's a it's the family guy joke it could be a you know mystery box you know that could be yeah. anything it could be a boat and it's like that's the exact same yeah. thing this any of these guys could be Justin Fields and you're also looking at size and traits and you look at other guys like that I, I think a, a player that I've come to compare his play style to is Daniel Jones with Justin Fields people were talking about paying Daniel Jones forty million dollars Justin Fields is already showing more 
pro- or more potential than Daniel Jones ever has. He's finally kind of come into his own this last year with good coaching and a good situation. Weird how that works. And also field now we want to Jason Fields as soon as he's shown that growth and he has way more room for growth than a lot of quarterbacks in this league. So it's I think that's what you're betting on. Also another thing, this is a kind of like one little kind of like side stat is that if you take a quarterback at number one, he technically is making more money than Fields is in the next two years. Yeah. Yes, the contract yeah. is longer for for them, but he's technically making a couple more million dollars more. So that argument also kind of like for me is just like much ado about nothing. The, the thing I get hung up on too uh, with the rookie contract argument, which I totally understand the logic totally of it. Do. And and uh, let's just be honest, Mike Tannenbaum has been one of these guys like really pushing that. We had him on our CHGO show today here at, at the combine, and I said to him, I go, the, the thing I never hear you mention, though, is you're resetting the developmental clock yes. too. Though you're you're taking, and granted, the Bears kind of wasted a year with Fields, but you're taking you took everything that you that Fields did show you this year. Even if it's not everything you wanted, it's what Getsy did around there to, to make yes. it work. And you're just like throwing that out the window. And, and I don't, best case scenario, Bryce Young is everything you want him to be, right? But he's still a rookie next year. And yes. every rookie quarterback, they take a year. So yeah. in my opinion, you're really only gaining one year. Because you still have Fields for three more under your control. Granted, that fifth year option will cost you more money. It just—it's not worth it to me to set that the, the because, and that goes back to then. Well, what did he show you this year? And whatever that was, which we all agree he got better this year. Yep. Okay, he did that with nothing around Correct. him. That—that's impressive to me. Yep. Here's the other argument: if you take a quarterback number one, the number one pick that we're all hoping turns into seven more picks, yeah. it's just the number one pick. Yes. So you're dropping Bryce Young onto a team that needs three starters along the offensive line yep. if we're being generous. Yep. Probably another pass-catching option that could be a true number one receiver and a defense that has three viable NFL starters. Yeah. They don't have a defensive four. line, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, they, they need, need a whole new guys line. and four yeah. new backups. And if you're all the – we've spent so much time this week on this show talking about how so many of the teams in the top 10 are in a rare position to surround a young quarterback with more help than is typically given a young quarterback drafted in the top 10. If the Bears were to use the number one pick on a quarterback, that would not be the case. Even if you got something for Justin Fields, I do think you'd get less than you're probably going to get for the number one overall pick. Here's the question I I got a couple times down here. Like, What if a Joe Burrow-like prospect was there at number one? What if Trevor Lawrence was there at number one? That's a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. But the Bears aren't evaluating the draft class that way. Like, what if? Yeah. No. It's what if Bryce Young is the best player in the yeah. in, 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 best quarterback? So it's a different situation for him. Yeah. What the Bears have to consider is if trading back is their best scenario because they need more than one piece. Like, like you said. Uh, the answer is absolutely yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> the, answer, the answer is 100% yes. It was funny this, this week. Our, we had a big meeting on Monday, a staff meeting. So I walk big in meeting. at <laughs> big meeting. I walk in at eight a.m. and multiple people are like, "Did you see the Schefter tweet? The Bears are opening shopping the number one pick." I was like, "Oh, really? Oh, wow! This <laughs> is shocking that they would be open to shopping the number one pick." So, John, I'm sure you've talked to people this week about this. What are your inklings about what that asking price looks like? I guess dependent on how far they'd have to go it down. It has to include a future one. If I'm the Bears, that's where I draw the line. And With one exception. 
if they can get a good player in return. How now. good though? In which position? Well, like it, yeah. like hypothetically, if you're able to get like Brian Burns from the Panthers back. Oh boy, uh, they're I've, not doing that. They're just not doing that. I'm just giving an example. Yep, 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 yep. Of I think that I agree with you that they want yep. that future first rounder. But if there is a trade that you pull off early because you want to be like, hey, we're getting this guy before free agency because we want to know he's on our team and we don't have to go sign someone someone else at that spot. I think that's the only exception. Well, that's why it's it's on the table to trade before the new league year, right? You're mm-hmm. maybe getting a player of significance with a significant contract coming back. That's why you do want to do that before the new league year so yep. you get your finances in order. But I just don't know what that market is for those players. God, I heard. Stand, I was like, I, I probably got excited hearing that. Like, Brian Burns is a bear. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Pan- <laughs> I think the Panthers, Panthers are justifiably are think that they're close. And I think so, too. So, that roster's actually I, I think sweet. the Panthers are one of those teams that should be looking at the number yeah. one pick. So I was going to say, I've done their show. Uh, did, did you guys show a couple wow, months you're ago? you're impressive. Good for I'm you. I'm sorry. You're yeah, I know. I, I, other podcasts. She heard my way in there. probably our, our, our favorite, like, the the guests our listeners love the most. That's because they I love ju- his smile. I just <laughs> gu- I just gush about Justin Fields the whole time. <laughs> yeah, so people are like, "This so is true. great." <laughs> so true. Yeah, just play to the crowd. You know, play the hits. But uh, but the, uh, we were trying to kind of build out the plan initially. You know, the season had just ended. They locked in a number one pick now. And I, I said, it's, "There's a couple blue chip guys in this class, and then there's a huge drop off." I think. And it's like, but if they they need players, yes. and they don't just. Ne- First, they need viable starters, just guys that are league average, replacement-level players. But on top of that, they need dudes, like actual needle movers. And that's where it's – if you stay in that range and you get a first next year, that would be amazing. But, like, staying in that range where you can get some of these guys – a lot of these guys are going to be moved – a lot of teams are going to move up for these quarterbacks. It's, there's a lot of a lot of noise about it. And, that, like, there's a lot of these quarterbacks are interesting. They have flaws, but you talk to seven, eight different teams – they all have stacked differently, and yeah. so but that's good for the Bears yes. because you just need two teams to like one guy to get and desperate. That's what and that's to what get aggressive. That's it. You just need two teams to like one guy, or say Houston really likes that guy, and everyone gets a little little <laughs> antsy <laughs> as well. well. Also, you have teams at five and six that could potentially draft a quarterback. Yeah. So if there are teams at seven, eight, and nine, yes. all of whom need starting quarterbacks in the Raiders, the Falcons, and the Panthers, yep. are they afraid that Detroit at six is going to take one of those guys if you just hang around? There are a lot of factors working in the Bears' favor. Uh, Little birdies. The the price that I heard from outside the top five okay. is your one this year, mm-hmm. a two this year, a first in twenty twenty four, and a first in twenty twenty five. Okay, that it. sounds like a lot. But let's go back to the last time that a trade like this happened. The Niners are at twelve in the twenty twenty one draft. They come up to three. That trade includes a future first the following year and the year after that. So there is precedent for that sort of move, and it's the number one pick. Yes. You get your pick of the draft. You mm-hmm. control the draft if you make this yeah. trade. So if I'm Ryan Poles, fuck yeah, that's where I'm starting oh, yeah. these conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So if it, let's say, four is a different asking price. I've thought about this two ways. I don't care how far they go down. I don't care. Because I don't think there is any single defensive player, be it Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, who we can get into – that moves the needle enough for me to value the player over multiple swings based on the state of the roster. All that matters to me is you come away with a ton of picks and at least a future first-round pick next year. Because I 100% agree. They have to see the Justin Fields thing through. They owe it to him, and they owe it to everyone else to see the Justin Fields thing through. You have to give yourself an off-ramp if it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's undeniably exciting. I want nothing more than for him to succeed. So in this scenario... It's using that draft capital in 2024, 20, 2025, where maybe field struggles this season, but now you have options 
for 2024 is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, you have the multiple first-round picks, your own, and another bad team who just traded up for the first overall pick and a quarterback. Right. Ability to pivot. Yes. yes. And, and that's that's and it. That's team building. Yeah. And uh, that's what we found. Team building is about ability to pivot and go down different avenues at any time. It's copycat league. Yeah. Teams often mimic the actions of teams that win a lot of football games. Proof of concept. Sure. (laughs) The team that played in the Super Bowl this season did this exact thing last year. Mm -hmm. They were not Mm -hmm. sold on their quarterback, so they traded into next year's first round. They have two first-round picks in this year's Mm -hmm. draft and said, okay, we're going to throw a shitload of resources at our offense and our team in general. Sink or swim with the quarterback. If he doesn't develop the way that we want him to, we will be in a position to go get a quarterback. He developed. Hallelujah, you just have the 10th overall pick and you have a guy. So I think the Bears have to give themselves that same sort of flexibility moving forward. And and we've talked about the Eagles a lot on our show because, and and we tend to do this in the media all the time, okay, here's a team where things are working. How do you do that? But but in this case, I, I really do think it's a relevant conversation for many different reasons. To me, the most important is Ian Cunningham came from the Eagles. Yeah. Okay, he was part of that, what the Eagles have now. He helped build that. He's the Bears' assistant general manager now. So that, great point. that context is literally in the Bears' building. Yeah. And, oh, he could have had the Arizona Cardinals job this year if he wanted it and turned it down. He's still there. Um, also, very tall, by the way. Yeah. Saw him is in he? the elevator. Shockingly tall. Was not yeah. ready for that. He's a tall Ian. Yeah. He is. Um, <laughs> uh, and then the other thing, too, is like J- Jalen Hurts is a good comp for what what fields is now just turn on the tape there's i mean it's a little bit different in, in the sizes but no. really what they what even the pivot the eagles made a year ago mid-season is very similar to what the bears did this year mid-season yes. with yes. Fields. there are a lot yes. of similarities there's a lot of evidence actually right in front of our eyes that the bears actually are following what the eagles have been doing and it's very relevant to the conversation absolutely is so yeah. the biggest concern that i have mm-hmm. we've talked about this a lot what do you think justin fields sack rate was oh, last God. season mm-hmm. nate tice was it 10.8? Adam Johns. 15? Oh. Uh, 12. 14.7. Yeah, I, I knew it was It is an astronomical <laughs> yeah, number. It is. Yeah. And we have a lot of data that suggests that how you handle and create pressure as a quarterback is a lot of you. Mm-hmm. Stylistically, how you mm-hmm. operate. That 14.7, 15% number is something I cannot get out of my head. Mm-hmm as I think about where he has to go. Because if you look at a Jalen Hurts, a Josh Allen, these other guys who have struggled and gotten better, a lot of the underlying metrics about how they play the position have been better. So how do we build a case for how a better supporting cast can allow Justin Fields to overcome that shortcoming and the other ones he has? That, to me, starts with the trade down. If you get this war chest of picks outside of potentially absorbing a player in that deal, I think you want to know how much draft capital you have because... A second-round pick doesn't just have to become a second-round pick. A second-round pick can be Mike Evans. A second-round pick can be a million different things. Yes. So, Nate, if you're starting to build the right supporting cast for Justin Fields with the resources, which in this hypothetical, let's say, are an extra second, uh, an extra first next year, an extra first the year after that, plus the 10th overall pick, how are you building around Justin Fields over the next two months? Interior linemen. Not even tackles. And I know we emphasize tackles, but Fields and where he feels the most pressure and how he plays interior pressure is what messes him up. There's a lot of quarterbacks in general, actually. But I think that's what helps. First and foremost, that's what's going to help him is interior line. Center play's got to be better. And that's take, it, guys, such a great take, guys, such a great point. Taking a load off him mentally. He, I've seen glimpses of Fields handling a little bit more protections and moving stuff. They're trying to work with him. Really early in the season, I could tell they were like, hey, we're trying this. Like, 
change the point, and they kind of went away with it a little bit. But he can handle a little bit. But having a center that can take that load, a vet or a young guy, I, I, I always like the young guys, young quarterback, young center, kind of building that battery together. I, yeah, I've always yeah. just been a sucker for that. Um, but interior offensive line, I think, is the first and foremost thing. And on top of it, you need a ball winner. Um, uh, I, the Chase Claypool trade, we can say whatever it is, but he's a finesse receiver built like gigantic. He looks like a power forward, but he plays like a guard. And that, that's just how he plays. And I think you look at him, you're like, oh, they got that 6'4", 220-pound guy. It's like he doesn't play like that. Uh, when he, all of his highlights with the Steelers were catching horizontal routes, catching jets and doing jet sweep stuff. I mean, remember his big game as a rookie when he had like three touchdowns. It was all jet sweep stuff. So I think they need a ball winner. Uh, they need several pass catchers, though. Um, that can also knock down where Mooney's more in a, a role that works for him as opposed to eating 140 targets. He's more of a 90 to 100 target kind of guy. I think that's where you obviously need the help. But it, I need, they need a big receiver, and I think they need interior line. And there's a couple guys in this draft that makes sense for if they say you're saying back to nine. I, I don't want to butcher the guy's name again from Northwestern. I, I, Skaronsky. Yes, Skaronsky. But that guy to me is like, oh, that's nice because okay. it's yeah. another guy, and I, I brought this up before, is that, there's questions that if he can stay at tackle, but he's a good player that you can slot in anywhere. So how else you fill out the team? That's a guy that makes sense to me as far as he can play either guard spot or maybe even right tackle. Okay, now we just find, we get our best five out there in some way, shape, or form. They need a lot of help, especially on the offensive line. Johns, where do you start? I think separation, like at receiver. I don't think he trusted his guys. You mentioned when like those contested catches. Like yeah. I don't think he just trusted. He, he yeah. never took those risks. To, to continuously do that every single week to just trust the guys to be where they're supposed to be or when they're one-on-ones. Yep. So separation at receiver. And to, to your point, Robert, I, I think the Bears have actually been pretty forthright in this in saying that Justin's got to learn to take the layups. Yeah. He's got to learn yes. to get the ball out quicker. He's got to not hold on the ball so yep. long. You know, and wait for things. Don't for, have to be a hero. Yes, yeah. for that home run yep. shot. Um, they've been pretty fair. They've actually been pretty public about it too. Ryan Poles the, the other day, Matt Eberflus too. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, I view O-line similarly. I'm a build inside-out guy, so I, I love the idea of, of fixing, especially at center, which has been a conversation you know, for a few <laughs> years now, uh, relentlessly. But I, I, I don't know if this is controversial. I've talked about this before. I, I don't think the Bears' wide receiver group is as far away as people think it might be. Like It's not a complete overhaul of the room. I just think they need to what you just said, John, they need the one guy, like yep. the one guy that pushes yes. everybody else down. Yep. Because if you get that guy, Mooney's not a terrible two. No. Claypool can exist, you know, yes. in there as like your yes. third option. And it's the basketball lineup. It, yes. And, yeah, it's and, it's building it out. And secretly, Valus Jones did some nice things at the end of the year. He did, actually, And, and, and yes. so I'm not saying I'm like, very hopeful about that, but if he's your fourth or fifth guy in the wide receiver room, you can still use him in ways where, and we still saw this this year as a rookie as he was struggling. When he came in the game, defenses were like, oh, that guy's on the field. That's the fast guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so it still can be used to your advantage. So I, I just think, yes, it's a big piece. You're probably going to spend money on it, whatever it is, and I'm not sure that guy's even available, quite frankly, in free agency. So I don't know. you got to get creative to find that guy, but if you can, it pushes everybody down, and then don't forget, Cole Komet's Still pretty good pass catcher, and too. I was literally just about to talk about the yeah. tight end room. This and I just wrote an article. It's coming out tomorrow on The Athletic. Ooh, Make sure you check it out. Okay, go go check that Jeez. out. Athletic.com slash football show. The tight ends, it's a great class of tight ends. And you already have Komet, who's, who, who's a fine player, too. So if you get – now you have two tight ends. That gives you more versatility as an offense, and that could be the size that you need as a pass catcher. It doesn't just have to be a receiver now. It's just pass catchers. And I, I think so. that's an important point, too. Even though this receiver class is kind of a – 
kind of the Smurfs. Uh, there, there's a couple of guys with size, but they're not kind of like, you know, Quinn Johnson's interesting. A.T. Perry I like from Wake Forest um, as a day two guy. But the tight end class is where you can find, even if you're taking tight end four in this class, that would usually be a tight end one in every other draft class. And so now you're pairing that with Komet. That's a weapon. That's an advantage that you carry in every week. So I also think, like, in, on day two especially, especially if they get more picks, it's like, man, you can really take a swing and get a tight end and maybe another pass catcher in the third Komet played, like, 97% of the offensive right. snaps this year. Give him some help. <laughs> yes, give him some yeah. help. Like, something. I'm totally with you on the number one receiver thing. So if we're taking this a step further and we're comparing it to the Eagles, going out and getting A.J. Brown is more about having a talented player than AJ, like A.J. Brown on your roster. If we look at the success stories of quarterbacks over the last five to seven years in the NFL, the young guys who became good, some of them instantly were relevant. Justin Herbert, yep. guys like that. But Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Tua to a certain extent, guys who got better than they were at a certain point. Every single one of those added a true number one receiver at some point along the way. Bills traded for Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. The Eagles traded for A.J. Brown. The Chiefs already had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. The Dolphins traded for Tyreek Hill. Joe Burrow got Jamar Chase. Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen was already on the roster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is about <laughs> more than having – well, even beyond like the, the breadth of the receiver room, mechanically, when you have that number one guy and you are constructing plays, you make that guy the number one receiver in the progression. Correct. So when the quarterback is operating, the first thing he's thinking about is, I'm throwing it to the really good guy as the number one receiver in the progression. Trust is the biggest factor here. Mm-hmm. I trust that that guy is going to be open. I can play faster. So if we're trying to construct an argument for why that number can go down, it's more than about having a talented receiver on your team. Literally, the mechanics of the offense change when you trust that guy. So where does that guy come from? There are no real receivers available in free agency. We know that the draft class doesn't have that top five guy. If there's a Jamar Chase in this draft, I'm not going past five, but there isn't. Mm -hmm. I think that a guy like DeAndre Hopkins doesn't make sense for everyone. He makes sense for this team. You can't spend $100 million in free agency. Cap space is a weapon when you could absorb anything you want to. That's why the Chase Claypool trade was so frustrating to me. Because it's not, can we get a better receiver than Chase Claypool with the 33rd overall pick? The 33rd overall pick can become DeAndre Hopkins. It can become Amari Cooper. It can become whoever that version of it is this year. So I think you have to be creative in how you're going to use that money. DeAndre Hopkins is one name. I'm calling the Bucks immediately. They are $30 million over the cap right now. Ryan Jensen just got an extension. He has only $10 million left in dead money if he gets traded. There's your starting center oh my if you God, want. That would yeah. be, that'd yeah. be Mike Evans with an attitude. Yeah, that would be yeah. a, such a needle mover. Mike like, Evans is yes, in that same boat. Yes. I, they're not going to trade all of them. No, but like no. These are the things that I'd be sniffing around yes. on, and that's why I want to know what picks I have. So I can start kicking the tires on moves like that because that's the weaponry that you have. It is the ability to take on any contract that a team doesn't want. That's why flexibility is valuable. Yeah, it's like the, the Oswald or to the Browns, like the, getting that other pick with it because they could absorb the contract. It no. follows the Eagles example again, yeah. though, right? Trading for A.J. Brown. Yes. yes. And we've seen a number of Devontae Adams. Again, yeah. I, I, you just mentioned um, – who am I thinking of? Tyreek Kill. Tyreek Kill. They were all traded. Yeah. All traded. Well, then also, like, going, you know, Trevor Lawrence improved a lot this year. And even going from shit to average at receiver, above average, I, I got to give him the credit. But, like, you just see how much situation just being okay around lets these quarterbacks develop. 
Hurt, Jalen Hurts wouldn't be Jalen Hurts right now if he wasn't allowed to operate from a clean pocket all the time and now throw to very talented receivers. Jalen Hurts did improve. He had a great situation to improve. You, were, you, you stoke you, that confidence in such yes. a real way when you put those the, guys around him. Whatever game that was, I want to say it was the Washington game where we did the live show afterwards, and I think it's your profile picture now. And, <laughs> and we were talking about it, and that was the thing is even when Fields was trying to do the right thing, he wasn't able to, not from him, but from the situation. The pocket wasn't clean. The receivers were on the wrong route. Receivers not getting open. And he's, like, trying to get better, but he's like, I, I can't. Like, he yeah. literally couldn't get, get better in that situation. And so even just getting to average, you know, replacement level and, helps out so much. And even then, he technically put him in position to win the game yes. at the end with yes. that crazy run he had. Yes. He threw multiple passes that should have been caught in the end zone at the end. How many big runs did he have called back this year, it felt like? You know, yeah, well, remember the one the, Minnesota? Yeah. You know, like or, it, or even the one against the Eagles, which counted, but he stepped out like just barely right. before it was a touchdown. You know, I think, Robert, everything you just said, you, I, it's why I think that polls, everything these GMs say down here in Indy, like there's something behind it. Oh, yeah. I, I don't, he was prepared, ready, and in my opinion, eager to talk about making the trade sooner rather than later. I think there's something behind that, because then when we had him on later, I was like, well, you're not going to do it this week, right? And he's like, no, basically because the medicals, we don't want, yeah. you know, yeah. Any, yeah. anything yeah, can happen. For all we know, he might have known about the Jalen Carter thing at that yeah. in, in that moment where he was talking about it. But then he did, but then he said, but it wouldn't be too long after this week if we went down that road. And I think it's just because, like, so some teams that need a quarterback right now in the draft might want that one pick because they control the draft. Well, I think in Ryan Poles' case, he wants as much draft capital as he can get right now so he can control all those things you're talking control about. control the offseason. And, and that's exactly. why we're having this conversation he, 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 right now. He sets the market. Yes. Like, it's, I'll compare this to basketball, and I, I know that's terrible to do it, but I will. Uh, last year, the Rudy Gobert trade to the Timberwolves. They set the market, and it screwed up the Kevin Durant trade. Because <laughs> that Rudy Gobert is going for that. What's Kevin Durant going to go for? And it took six months, yada, yada. It ended up happening. But the same thing. When you set the market, and yeah, sometimes it's a war chest that you're giving up or taking. It's like, but that's actually better because then you kind of get in first. You get to t- get into the test of waters before everyone else sets the market, and it really screws up the math for, every- for you. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Talk about Jalen Hurts and the development that he had. This is a number that I absolutely love. Over the first eight weeks of last season, when they were facing man coverage, the Eagles, Jalen Hurts threw the ball to A.J. Brown on 38% of his routes. Go balls, Which was the second highest rate in the entire NFL. (laughs) That's what I mean by stoking confidence. When you can start to feel 
just more comfortable playing the position in your own decision making in how you're approaching the position that's real yeah. you, that that starts to build momentum for who you are as a quarterback and they need that in whatever form it takes and this is with guys that we already ha- have anointed and I, I mean this in a, a real way but like a guy like watch the Chargers offense this year with Justin Herbert when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out yes Justin Herbert, I think, is a very confident, very, we all think, very good, well, I don't want to speak for you guys, but me me and Robert <laughs> and a lot of us, very good quarterback, like going to be one of the guys, is one of the guys, really. Even at times you watch him, he's thrown to replacement DeAndre Carter, and he's throwing those on third downs, and it's like, that's Justin Herbert who's already shown, again, proof of concept that he's already at that level, and he's struggling. And he looks like where people are going, ah, he's just average. See, we told you. It's like, yeah, well, everyone's hurt. You, you got DeAndre Carter playing 50 snaps for you, taking 10 targets. And I think that's where even when situations where guys are, like, already established, situation matters. The offensive yeah. line receivers and play calling matters so much for these guys, much less a guy that's still a, kind of a project and still has room to uh, develop. All the best quarterbacks had great situations. Yeah. Great help. Yeah. Right? Peyton Manning, we're in Indianapolis. He had some Hall of Fame wide receivers. Two first round picks at yeah. receiver. It helps. <laughs> and a first round tight end, yeah. Dallas Clark. You know, that that really and then they took another guy, uh, Gonzalez in the first round. And then a running back Andrew in the first James, round. First round yeah. for all these guys and then another running back, uh die in the first round. Yeah. So they had that that and the, he made the offensive line better because of just how he played in their offense and everything and he so they could replacement level on those guys Saturday's one but like same all those receivers were first round picks not second rounders not third rounders first rounders I was talking to somebody this week uh, with the Bengals just about their strategy and how they weaponized their rookie quarterback Mm -hmm. contract and remember we kind of scoffed at the way they built their defense two years ago they came into the season with the most expensive defense in the league I was like man how many real difference makers do they have on that side of the ball and there weren't that many but they didn't have any weaknesses. Right. right. They filled all those spots with starting-level players. And as I start to think about the broader Bears offseason plan with all of these resources, the offensive free agents, they don't really do much for you. You can find a starting right tackle, which they need. So I think there's an argument for doing that, whether it's Juwan Taylor, Kaylor McGarry, whatever. Mike those guys McGlinchey. aren't elite. Mike McGlinchey, guys mm-hmm. you can live with. But you look at the defensive side of the ball, and you have a Dalvin Tomlinson, a Jordan Poyer, Jimmy Ward, Von Bell, James Bradbury, Marcus oh, Peters. Man, I love a Jimmy Ward with that. And it's just like these guys <laughs> that if you can find them for the right price, Peters being a good example. Peters had a really down year last year. If you can get Marcus Peters for the James Bradbury contract, which you probably can't because it's he's hitting for agency, it's not late, but that's the places my mind would be. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have one splurge on like a Javon Hargrave type player. You can find three or four starters on defense, plus what you can do in the draft. So that's how it all starts to come together. I just think that you have to be as creative as possible with all these different assets that you have. One or two trades, a couple of signings, you figure out how you can keep trading down. You use that number one pick and all that cap space to truly control what the offseason is. I think there's going to be at least one trade that with, with draft capital that involves getting back a veteran player. That's I think so too because I I, I, I think, think there should be I think we're learning and this should be obvious but we're, we we all know this that you know free agencies is fool's gold in many ways there's yeah. a reason these guys are hitting the open exactly. market so if you get them the year before you're you're yeah. more likely that you're getting a player that you want to keep that yep. you never want to hit the open market but I think that then goes back to an earlier trade like getting 
getting the draft capital earlier so you can do that so it's not just all this you know one big number one pick moving back situation you're signaling to everybody else yeah. what you got you're like hey look what we got now all right now we can work with this as there's no hypotheticals and i again i'm agreeing with you with the early trade but Gwinchy, by the way is interesting because chris morgan being a shanahan guy the offensive line coach mm-hmm. so that's like an easy translation there at right tackle so it's like sorry but that name kind of was like oh yeah that actually kind of makes sense at right tackle for them I like he, Hopkins. He, he'd be better than Riley Reef and uh, yeah. Larry Borum. I know <laughs> yes. he wasn't perfect this no, but season, he's, but yes. He's talking about replacement level. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, I mean, league average, he's at least that. I like Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, as an option because he's not going to cost you a ton. He's, like, even if he doesn't give you 80 catches, he does what Robert was talking about earlier. Like, yeah. he, he just his oh. presence on the field. He tilts the field. Yes. It is going yes. to help everyone else, gravity. most importantly, Justin Fields. So, with, with the limited options that are out there and him not costing you, what, what is, what's that trade going to be? If there's a trade. I mean, I'm offering the second. It does, yeah, second yeah, round. Okay. Yeah. 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 I would do that. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Think yeah. I would oh, too. absolutely. I think yeah. I would too. Absolutely. Because at a, at a certain point, you're going to, again, you need to use the cap space on guys <laughs> worth using the cap space on. And also, yeah. just just talking about Hopkins in particular, is that he's he's already aged. Like, it's not like his game is the speed that it's like, oh, shit, I don't know how this guy's going to enter his 30s. Yep. That's how he's placed. He's played but, the same since he's entered the league. Look how he looked last season. He, when he, got, he, he looks really good. And they had him in the slot. They're moving him around. No, I know. This is one of those I always, why are guys available? Yeah. Why? Jadar Hopkins is available because the Cardinals are a fucking teardown. Yes. That's yeah, why he's yeah, available. Yes. Like it's not hard to figure yes. out. Those exactly. are the situations you got to take advantage yep. of. 100%. Yeah. They're, By the they're way, they're trying to move some pieces and stuff. We're trying to create connection points. Chris Morgan was in Atlanta when they drafted Caleb McGarry. He was the offensive yes. line coach. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. So that right. one, that, that's <laughs> for you guys. Right. When you start okay. talking about right tackle <laughs> options. Oh man. We we've spent so much time this offseason thinking talking about Ryan Poles, Justin Fields. This is very weird. I spend an inordinately little amount of time thinking about the head coach of the Chicago Bears. Uh. I don't maybe I, I, that's just kind of how it feels to me. So as guys around year one of that regime, Johns, how would you characterize the job that Matt Eberflus did and the confidence that it instills in you potentially moving forward or lack of confidence? Well, I just want to go back to like the start of our conversation and just in terms of like we were looking at the rosters now on their computers. Like the Bears were purposely this bad. Yes, yes. Like, I don't think Matt Eberflus. Wanted to field the worst pass rushing defense in the league. There's no way he did. If you just hear him talk strategy, I mean, he he lights up when he talks football. When you want to talk about other things, you know, he's I, an I engaging football like yes, conversator. Yes, that is yes, very yes. true about that. Yes. I mean, the Eagles had 70 sacks this year. The Bears had 20. All right. 20. It's one of the worst defensive lines in all football. Still well, and, like, for and the guys who led the team in sacks were like. Your sa- safeties and Roquan Smith, who wasn't even on the team half yeah, the year. That, that, that's a problem. <laughs> um, so, and, like, and everybody came back. Like, Alan Williams came back. Usually with seasons like this, like, there is some significant change. And the Bears had one of the worst defenses, and all their coaches came back. Mm-hmm. Everybody came back. Like, everybody was in on being this bad, knowing how long this is going to take. And, like, you almost want to acknowledge what Ryan Poles is trying to pull off here with Matty Bufluss at his side. I have not covered anything like this. Like, no. since 2012, like, Phil Emery tried to win with Lovey Smith guys. Yeah. Like, Jay Cutler, like, Ryan Pace was stuck with Jay Cutler for two years because of that massive contract. This, with Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus at his side, is completely different. Completely different. Right. The only part of the process so far on the Poles side that I'm just like, this is a mistake, was a Claypool trade. Yeah. Yep. That's the only thing so far where it's like, I even in the moment, I'm sitting there and just opportunity cost is flashing in my mind because <laughs> yeah. I know, again, that second round pick that you just traded 
it can be anything. It can be a veteran on this market, and it can be a veteran that's better than Chase Claypool. So that's the only thing I come back to where it's like, I want that one back. Other than that, I think a lot of the other things they've done are justifiable, and I think sense. the process so far is justifiable. Sense. Sometimes you wish he wouldn't, Poles wouldn't say everything that he was thinking, So, but like I understand a lot of the thoughts. I really do. And even with Iberflus, and I've I've been optimistic about him and Getze, like just – from day one, I kind of was like, okay, this guy's a good coach. And the fact that he was like, I'm not calling plays right away, that's uh, always a good sign. Uh, that's, yeah. I'm learning that's a good sign. I love uh, that. But he, he, you watch what their defensive game plans, even with shit, especially at the end of the year. Watch him play against the Eagles. Yeah. People, the Chiefs stole part of that game plan because yeah. of how good it was. They were in it. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, that last touchdown uh, that Hurts put the game away on that QB draw play, it was they had the perfect play. Brisker just got too antsy and hit the wrong hole. And I love Brisker. I think he's really good. If but you, it, but the, I'm sorry. I'm just saying. It's like I'm as far as coaches. Like I think they have a pretty good staff that I think will just give these guys some talent and juice, and I could see them taking leaps as far as a team. If you go back early in the season when they had Robert Quinn and they were healthy, and you know Roquan Smith was fully engaged and trying to get that second contract, they weren't bad. No, for they like weren't. The first four weeks, they weren't. They ranked pretty well. Injuries took over. They yep. traded Robert Quinn. You made that long term move, but. Statistically, they were there. They were mm-hmm. one of the better defenses in the league. Yep, absolutely. It, it was interesting, too, talking to um, pl- players, people with the Eagles, both on and off the record at the Super Bowl, and they were pretty unanimous. And like, that was a tough game. Like, that, like they, they, you could say what you want about the talent, but like, they played a certain brand of football yep. that was, that was tough, that was noticeable. Um, and that was, again, late in the season. It yes. wasn't like earlier when everything yes. was going much better. That was still late in the year. So, yeah, the, those not, might not even be players that are, are back next year, but it's it's evidence that Matt Eberflus, who we still don't really know a whole lot about like as a head coach, but there, there is evidence there both on the tape, off the tape, that they're going to play a brand and have an identity mm-hmm. that, quite frankly, the Bears just never had during the Matt Nagy era. They're they well didn't coached. have that identity. Identity they, they, as, as a neutral mm-hmm. observer and watching it, uh, it's just they're well coached. And I know it didn't always the results weren't great, but the process all made sense. And I know we're talking about team building and everything, but even just schematically X's and O's. And I've been on uh, again on your guys' show on other shows. I've talked about Getzy was they asked, oh, why would they run the ball so much and all that? It's like, because they had to. Yeah, they, you, you protect yourself. You they were actually good at it. Yeah, yeah they were good at it. They were really good at it. But Luke, it was like, Luke Getze came from the Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Luke Getze came from the Green Bay Packers. I mean, they, they run the ball a decent amount. He does have Pittsburgh connections. But so that's, that's not what funny. they want to do. No. I mean, I, I think that's the same thing. The Eagles didn't want to run the ball 65% of the time in no. 2021. They did it because it was the best option. They want to be in seven-step drops and winging it. Like, yeah, I know, but he – Good coaches adapt to their personnel, and I, that's why I'm optimistic about what they what they have shown and what they could potentially do down the road. Okay, just guys in the locker room. Do people like this coaching staff? Do the players feel energized about the guys in that building? Like you, you guys are around. I'm yeah. just curious what the vibe in the locker room is, even on a shitty team. Yeah. deep into the season about the guys in charge. So I don't want to act like it's like completely roses but I, I I know Johns and I share this opinion it, it was it was almost weird how loose that locker room still was in the midst of they're at the end of the season they haven't they literally ended on a 10 game losing streak I was amazed that you'd still go in there Wednesday of week 18 and it's like you know there's music and people are happy there's no drama. Everyone's hanging in, there, hanging in the facility still. Like, no one's trying to get out right away. There were a couple exceptions. <laughs> uh, Angelo Blackson was 
<laughs> Nowhere to be seen on locker room cleanup day. You know, there there were some exceptions, but it, you know that that was noticeable and 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 mattered to me. On the on the flip side, there was a couple comments here and there, like, and we actually saw it in the NFLPA survey. There were some complaints about how hard uh, Flus was running practices, and oh. they got dinged for it at one point. They yeah. had a they had they lost the practice. I was be- there in camp, remember, yeah, right? and it was just kind of. Uh, I mean, we talked about it in camp. It was like, I mean, pra- there was no wasted seconds in no. practice. It was like you're going to this drill, we're doing this. You're going to this drill, we're doing this. And they, like you could tell, it was palpable. Like I wonder if he backs off a little because if you talk to guys that played under Lovey Smith, they they will tell you that Lovey almost overdid it his first year. A lot, a lot of coaches, a lot do, of coaches yeah. do it. And, yeah, and he and, and Sean got, Payton was like that. My dad was like that. Uh, Dan Campbell <laughs> well, was like that. To, like he started to back off because. He, Started getting better players. Yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. that helps too, yeah, yeah, right? Helps too. They started winning too in year two. Yeah, yeah. That I, that that a lot of coaches have done that in year yes. one because you yeah. establish a tone, you establish yeah. an expectation, and then you start listening to your players a little bit more yep. and what they need. And I, I think I almost wonder though if he has to do it maybe one more year because this is going to be so much turnover. Turnover. Like yeah. we were saying, they got to add so many guys, mm-hmm. so many guys. I know. Yeah. I know there were a couple guys too that that wish there was a little bit more communication about where they stood. I gotcha. think that goes on yeah. polls a little bit too. We heard that from Tevin Jenkins in camp when he was just yeah, kind of floating in the yeah. wind. Yeah. Am I yeah. going to get traded? Yeah. It's like, can someone just pull this guy into an office and tell him what's going on? That'd yeah. be nice. And so, they eventually did. And they did. Um, but I think that also was with, with Eberflus. I heard from a couple guys that were just like during the year, like, you know, they want to know where they stand sometimes. Yeah, and I, and that can be dangerous. You you know, you, you can't do that with everyone on the roster, but there are certain times where you got to have those conversations. Yeah. I think that comes with time and confidence. Yeah. Speaking of that, somebody who is famously transparent with his players, Mike Tomlin will really tell you where you stand in front of the entire team. Also someone who was brutal in year one. Oh, like sure. famously brutal in some of those practices. Full pads all the time. That was a veteran team. Yeah. So I think that there can be a trend with some of these guys who have found a lot of success. They're marking their territory a little yeah. bit. <laughs> They're kind of showing who's boss a little bit. I get it. I totally get it. Especially uh, a teardown like that. You you can't ask later to be like, okay, let's yeah. turn it up now. Yep. It's yeah. easier to take away and make it easier than point. make it harder as, you, as time goes on. All right, you guys think about the Bears 27 hours a day. Anything else we should be thinking about that we're not right now, Johns? I just think maybe to, to further this discussion, like before we end this show, like if you're building around Justin Fields and say he struggles in 2023, that structure, maybe it's uh, you know Peter Skronsky or better receivers, like that's there for the next quarterback. Of now course. Too. Yes. Should you have to – I forget who used the word pivot. Should you Ability have to pivot? pivot? Yep. And I feel like Ryan Poles tries to play that long-term game a lot, where he's thinking, he's trying to think two moves ahead with this. Like, this this is part of it. This is part of what makes this such a unique opportunity for him because he has this first pick, and he can turn it into the long game yeah. with 2024 draft capital, 2025 draft capital if he goes back further. The one thing I have is uh, I know it – it, any GM would love to be in this position. Number one pick, all the cap space in the world. The one thing that I do think the Bears have to be careful, and we kind of touched on this, is they literally have to spend money. They have yeah. to get to a floor. And as, so I think that goes back to really how they end up structuring these contracts. They have to be careful. Um, I always think back to, I think it might have been Ryan Pace's first or second free agent class. Uh, 
like all five of those main guys that showed up to is the press this conference. Deion Sims, Mark. This is Mike Marcus Lennon. Wheaton. This is Mike Lennon. Marcus, Marcus yeah. Wheaton. Yeah. Mike Lennon. Yep, yeah. that was that whole crew. Yep. And it was like, in hindsight, it was a terrible group. I think they kind of knew at the time, though. And other than the Glennon contract, if that was the same year, I'm not, I think it, it was. was, it was, was. The same year. Yeah, it other was. than that one, it didn't really cost them anything. They were able to get rid of all those guys. It didn't cost them anything. There was no dead money attached. Yeah. So I, it, they, they got to be careful. They also had to be creative. I, my, po- I guess my overall oh, point don't, is, are you ready? But are don't you ready? be, don't be okay. pocket. Po- this committed. is harder than it sounds. Is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan, Poles, lane here. Ryan Poles has to be creative. <laughs> yes. Well, right. that's where I mean, real quick. That's where I just compliment the Jags going from shit to average or above average. It's like, but some of those, there's like you said, there's opportunity costs sometimes where yes. it's like, oh, that. But you're. Because yeah. now you have that, you can't do this, and mm-hmm. that's where you don't you, always don't want to. Can't cut off pathways for no. yourself. That's right. the most important thing. Avenues. And if we're talking about getting to that floor, that's why a, veter- a couple of veteran contracts with seventeen, eighteen million dollar base salaries. If you're Johnny Hopkins, thirteen million dollars for Ryan Jensen. However, you get there. Love the, it. The Jensen okay. thing is like, oh my god. I'm seeing. I was. No, I was that, with the good that ones. That was. That is a real good one. Okay, so three four three years forty five for Mike Lennon. This is twenty seventeen. Three years forty five for Mike Lennon. Three for eighteen for Deion Sims. Three for sixteen for Marcus Cooper. Remember Marcus oh, Cooper? Oh god. Okay, wow. and that's, then, a, that's a blast back. from the yeah. past. Yeah. So two more. Quentin Demps, three for 13 and a half. Uh, safety. And then Marcus Wheaton, two for 11. Hell yeah. Wow. Okay. Wow. How many how many catches do you think Marcus Wheaton had? As oh, he Chicago was hurt Bear? for like the yeah. almost the entire season. Okay. Marcus Wheaton. 14. Has say three. Had three receptions <laughs> on 17 <laughs> targets. Okay. Three on 17 targets. That? that is a 17.6% catch rate. That's like hard to do. My my favorite thing about Marcus Wheaton, we're getting on a tangent here, but no, I love he, it. he was hurt like all the training camp. This was probably the last year we were allowed <laughs> we were allowed this, to yeah. stand like right on the sideline yeah, during yeah. training camp yeah. rags. He would just come over and just like hang out with us in the middle of practice and like talk. He was like he, he was, was Harry all on the back. He, he like, was the he most by us all. I, he was the most <laughs> friendly player who we were all like, you are just probably not going to matter. But <laughs> I like that you're nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he made six million dollars guaranteed. Yeah. I'd be yeah. in a good mood yeah, too. Yeah. He knew. <laughs> That's so great. funny. Those are the stories about Barry Switzer that during practice you just hang out with the media the whole time with the Cowboys because he's like, team runs itself. Yeah. This is easy. Foxy would do a little bit of that too. Oh, yeah, I'm he sure. would come over during warm-ups all the time and just and just shoot the shit. Love and, it. Yeah. Especially at that stage. Stories. Uh, Foxy <laughs> stories. Adam and Adam, Hogan Johns, this was fun as hell. It was. We should do this again sometime. Sincerely appreciate the time. Hopefully – you guys' listeners on your feed aren't too annoyed that we no, were, they were, we, no, we, they they were excited, excited about it. stole I'm your so show excited. here for a day. No, no, I like it. It was a little bit easier on me. I appreciate it. <laughs> and I, that's what I'm here to do. <laughs> Thanks for letting me be the Ringo star here, guys. This was great. Love you, buddy. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you have not subscribed to the Hogan Johns podcast, please go do check it. that out. If you are not listening to Hogue's work on CHGO, please also go listen to that. Tons of fantastic Bears coverage out there. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic, where you can read Adam Johns' work, I don't know what you're doing. Theathletic.com slash football show is where that is possible. Please rate and review this podcast. If you have, if you like the show, we're in year three now. If you have enjoyed it, go leave us a review yeah. on Apple Podcasts. Go tell us you like the show. It would mean a lot to me. I would consider it a personal favor if you took the time to do that. As always, we sincerely appreciate you guys listening. We have a fun show on Monday. Me and Dane are going to recap the combine. Oh, hell yeah. It is Dane Brugler's season. Oh, my God. So I am very excited to chat with Dane. It is going to be 
essentially on the exact opposite poles of how much you can know about the 2023 draft when me and Dane it's talk perfect. on Sunday night. So I'm going to be the right host because I can really play stupid and not have to play it up. So that is coming your way on Monday. In the meantime, please enjoy your weekend. That is our last show from Indianapolis. It has been a very fun week. I am very old and tired, but we will talk to you guys very soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.